0: you're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Interpretations are not eternal. They change with time. And as we see the, the harmful fruit of present interpretations, we can make those interpretations give way to new ones. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 228 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor might offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. Our, our title this week is no seraph of the law to fail. And our feature text is Seng's gospel q 16:17 but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one iota or one seraph of the law to fall. Our companion texts are Matthew 5:17 through 18 Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In Luke 16, 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. This week, we see Jesus' Jewishness. Uh, we see a Jesus who who holds the Torah in high regard, and, and for him, the Torah is eternal. And the Jesus of this week's saying it is not... He's not teaching a new religion or trying to replace the current one. The, the Jewish Jesus is offering a, an interpretation of the Torah that includes a preferential option for the poor, uh, for the disenfranchised, and for the marginalized. And Jesus' interpretation, it contrasted with the elites in Jerusalem of his day, and it also differed from even the popularist uh, Pharisees' interpretation. The, the Pharisees opened the privilege of adhering to Torah's purity codes to a wider social group. But it still left uh, the Pharisees themselves in a position to control who was centered and who was pushed to the margins. And Jesus didn't withdraw from society and politics like the Essenes did, nor did he champion raising the sword in revolt like the Judean uh, messianic figures did during the the first half of the first century. His interpretation, it stood out from all of these, the elites, the Pharisees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. And Jesus's interpretation of the Torah, it it centered on those on the edges of his society, and it invited those on the edges to be seated too, alongside others at a shared table, that was his vision for society. It was it was, it was the imagining a, a shared table, and, and some have labeled him as as radical, and others as simply compassionate and just in the tradition of the Hebrew prophets. But for our purposes this week, we could we can at least say that at minimum, um, it was still Jewish, and and the Torah was still central uh, to Jesus. His teachings appealed to the poor. And they appealed to the outcast specifically because he was interpreting the Torah um, not as as, as something. uh, He wasn't trying to replace the Torah with something novel or something new, trying to replace it. But uh, he was interpreting the Torah in a way that uh, was compassionate and that made a preferential option for them. And Luke's use of this week's saying, too, it reassured those who were suffering violence Uh, Because they followed Jesus' interpretation and social vision, um, it reassured them. That, that this vision wasn't going to fail. And you can read more about that in last week's uh, e site and you can go listen to, to last week's podcast, uh, where we talk about Luke's use of this week's saying more, more fully. This week, we're going to focus on Matthew's use of this saying, and it's quite different from Luke's. Luke's gospel explained how what began as a Jewish movement of the lower class, how it became so populated by Gentiles from the middle and upper classes. Matthew's gospel, on the other hand, it, it corrects, I think many of the mistakes that Mark's gospel makes about Jewish culture, but it leads many scholars to believe um, that, that Mark's gospel was primarily uh, for the lower class Gentile followers of Jesus. Matthew's version of the, the, the our, our saying this week, it's about completion. And it assures the community, not from a Gentile perspective, but from a Jewish perspective, that Jesus had not come to supersede the Torah. And, and, and two words in the saying this week that help us understand uh, this point are the words fulfill and accomplished. And we're going to look at both. The Greek word translated as fulfill um, is uh, pleru. And pleru means to, to fill up or to make full. Uh, like a, a first century fishing net was made full of fish, or or to level up maybe a hollow space in the ground by filling it with dirt. It means to fill it to the very top or to the brim, kind of overflowing. And it's as if Jesus was saying that contemporary interpretations in his day of the Torah, they were leaving gaps that weren't full. Some parts of the Torah made provisions for the poor, and, and those parts were the parts that the Pharisaical interpretations and teachings were negating. And these were hollow places in, in their in their caretaking, hollow places that Jesus claimed to be filling up. And w- with Jesus, those being kept on the margins, even by the Pharisees' interpretations, they were to be welcomed, they were to be affirmed, they were to be included, and they were uh, valuable in Jesus' eyes. And they too, like it says in Luke 19, 9, they too were were children of Abraham. And the second word is translated as uh, uh, accomplished. Um, this word is uh, genomai. And genomai carries with it the idea of becoming, something comes into existence or something comes onto the stage or something appears in public. And I hear Jesus saying uh, that his interpretation is not a destruction of the Torah, but simply an interpretation that's coming onto the stage that sought to pr- to reprioritize the poor and the socially vulnerable. And this is a, a rich teaching too for us today. Not all of the vulnerable sectors of of first century Jewish society were addressed. By the Torah's provisions, and even they weren't even addressed by the teachings of Jesus. And I, but I believe that we today we have to build on Jesus's work and include those who in our day should also be affirmed and valued. So who are the vulnerable among us today? Um, is it the the estimated twenty one hundred to to almost well over ten thousand? Transgender military personnel who are right now being targeted and scapegoated in the U.S. Is it the DACA dreamers who who some believe uh, legislators will try to use as a bargaining chip for for border wall funding in this uh, uh, legislative session? Is it people of color who continue to be victims of implicit bias and systemic racism in this country? Um, surely vulnerable, uh, the word, or if we're looking at vulnerable sectors of society, that would include native people who are still fighting to preserve their right to clean drinking water, despite the U S and, and state protected uh, oil industries. Um, it includes women disproportionately targeted by diminishing their access to, to women's health services. What does it mean In our day, to stand up for the vulnerable, even while being accused of destroying the Torah. This is what Jesus is pushing back on in our saying this week. He's being accused of doing away with the Torah because his uh, interpretation of the Torah is so radically inclusive of the vulnerable and the marginalized. And for Christians today, advocating for the vulnerable in our society, it, it, it sometimes is met with the accusation that we too are ignoring or throwing out or contradicting the Bible. Uh, our sacred text just like jesus was accused of of contradicting his sacred text and and what white christians in antebellum america uh, placed before christian abolitionists back in the days of the abolition uh, was also uh, it was a false choice of of either holding on to their abolitionism or holding on to the scriptures but but they sternly told that uh, christians sternly told abolitionists that they they couldn't hold on to both they couldn't continue to promote uh, abolition and and still hold on to the Bible's teachings and those institutions um, today also who are who are for ordaining women ministers they're too right now being given the same ultimatum it's either the scriptures or the ordination of women uh, but you can't hold on to both and, and, and I know something about this over the last two years. I've had uh, weekend events cancel. Um, I've received cancellation after cancellation from those who are concerned by my and Renewed Heart Ministries' affirmation by our welcome and our inclusion of LGBTQ siblings. And, and these Christians have claimed that we have abandoned the clear teachings of the Bible, quote-unquote. But but those standing alongside the vulnerable in our society today, they could follow Jesus' teachings here and say to those who are holding on to old and destructive interpretations of sacred texts, they could say the same thing. They could use Jesus' as saying to say, they can mimic it, they could, uh, uh, they could copy, they could repeat it to say, do not think that that we're abolishing our sacred text. We aren't throwing out the scriptures. We're simply interpreting the text in a way that fills up the glaring gaps in interpretations that are destroying vulnerable people. We aren't destroying the scriptures. We're replacing interpretations that destroy people with interpretations that give life and that liberate. And for those who feel like they must choose between people's well-being and fidelity to a sacred text, that's not the choice at all. You may have to let go of destructive interpretations of your sacred text. You may have to let go of the way you viewed your sacred text. But you can still be uh, an affirming Christian and hold your sacred text in a way that understands the text uh, in a way that affirms people. Choose people. If you have to choose between interpretations or people, choose people, value people. And when you do, you'll see that you aren't destroying the text. You're interpreting it in a way like Jesus in the Torah that includes those who are presently being harmed by current interpretations. Interpretations are not eternal. They change with time. And as we see the the harmful fruit of present interpretations, we can make those interpretations give way to new ones, in the hope that that new interpretations will bear the fruit of life. And if we see that our our new interpretations are also doing harm, then we'll change those too, um, given time. The goal is to to continue to seek life giving interpretations for all, to work with people's uh, well being and, and their thriving in our hearts, and to transform our world into to keep working to transform our world into a safe, just, compassionate home for us all. Anything less is not faithful to Jesus or the spirit of our various sacred texts. And every time you're you're tempted to mistake your interpretation... Uh, for the sacred text itself, remember that interpretations are temporary. It's okay for them to change as long as what they change, uh, as long as the ways in which they change, what they change to is life-giving for all. And that, that's, I think, at the heart of, of our saying this week. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one iota or one seraph of the Torah to fall. Heart group application In the context of of working alongside the vulnerable and advocating for their rights, a a verse that that Jesus would have grown up hearing read in the synagogues is Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. And I would add that many of those who who can speak up for themselves and, and are speaking up um uh, we could add our voices to theirs. We could amplify their voices. We could come along uh, beside them and, and, and lift up their voices. And the work of reclaiming uh, your own humanity, is bound up with their work of reclaiming their humanity. So speak up in tangible and in concrete ways. And I shared this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King some weeks ago. I want to share it again. The other myth that gets around is the idea that legislation cannot really solve the problem and that it, is no gra- it has no great role to play in this period of social change because you've got to change the heart. You can't change the heart through legislation. You can't legislate morals. The job must be done through education and religion. King goes on to say, Well, there's half-truth involved here. Certainly, if the problem is to be solved, then in the final sense— hearts must be changed. Religion and education must play a role, a great role in changing the heart. But we must go on to say that while it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heart less. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important also. So there's a need for executive orders. There's a need for judicial decrees. There's a need for civil rights legislation on the local scale within states and on the national scale from the federal government, and that's a a quotation from King from a a speech he gave at Western Michigan University, December eighteenth, 1963. This week, I want to emphasize, uh, that social location matters, especially when we're we're following Proverbs thirty one and and speaking up for the rights of those who are, are are destitute. Some people can't afford to wait for an inside out approach for a future kingdom or a a new social order. Some people are dying right now; they're dying today. And, and as I've I've shared in the past about change, and I'll put a link to to this e site in in this week's e site. But uh, change happens from the outside in, not from the center. It happens from the edges uh, or from the margins inward, uh, just like uh, it happens from the bottom up. Uh, the, the same is true for people. It took people outside of me to change me. Spiritual disciplines, too. Uh, community rituals, they, they shape people from, from the outside in over time. And, and the Gospels... We have to wrestle with this. They portray a Jesus who gave his listeners a list of practices that would change the way they saw, thought, and felt about themselves and 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 the others with whom they shared their world. Sam Wells, in in the introduction to Ched Myers, uh, "Binding the Strong Man," uh, he draws a line in the sand when he when he says we seem to have picked up the idea that holiness is a trans like sense of peace and well-being in relation to those all around. An experience of floating on a magic carpet of tranquility. Wherever that picture of holiness came from, it certainly wasn't Mark's gospel. Jesus is constantly having heated debates with everyone who held Israel in check. The one thing everyone seems to agree on today is that there's plenty wrong with the world. There are only two responses to this. Either go and put it right yourself, or if you can't, make life pretty uncomfortable. For for those who can until they do. When they take stock of our relationships with the sorry, when we take stock of our relationships with the powerful, we have to ask ourselves, does the shape of my life reflect my longing to see God, set people free, and do I challenge those who keep others in slavery? So the question this week is how do we in the short term Uh, make life uncomfortable for those who can change things until they do. And one way that we can do that is by connecting with our elected officials. So this week, number one, as a heart group, I want you to find out the name and the phone number of of, uh, the following that I'm going to give you. And I want you to actually write them down, make a list, make a cheat sheet. So the list is, I want you to find your federal House representatives, your federal senators, I want you to find your state governor, your state house representative, your state senate members. I want you to find your county officials. I want you to find your city mayor and your city council members. I want you to make a list of all their names and put the phone numbers where you can reach them um, beside those names. And then number two, I want you to check out the following websites. I want you to check out indivisibleguide.com and I want you to check out fivecalls.org. On these sites, you'll find some helpful instructions on how you can connect with your officials in, in memorable and effective ways that create the changes that you'd like to see. Remember, this is part of, of making life uncomfortable for those who can change things until they do. And, and uh, uh, then number three, if this is new to you, um, if you're not used to making these types of phone calls or following these types of scripts that you'll find in, in these websites, uh, start out by making just one phone call a week. You can then later, as you get more comfortable, graduate to two or to three. But start off this week with just making one phone call to someone who has the power to make, make change for the better. Um, make one phone call to them and uh, 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 engage in the, in the system. So, so again, if, if you can't put something right yourself... Uh, if you can put it right yourself, then by all means take that action and do so. But if you can't make it right yourself, um, if you don't have the power to to change, much larger systems that perpetuate injustice. Take stock of your relationship with those who are in power and, and make life pretty uncomfortable uh, for them until they, they make those changes. Your, your representatives, your your senators, your council members, um, whoever it is that represents you, they should know you by name. You should be calling them on a regular basis. and uh, And as you do this, you're standing in solidarity with those on the edges and undersides of society. Uh, you're reclaiming your own humanity. You're working alongside uh, 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 of those who are engaging the work of reclaiming their humanity. And, and remember, there's a, there's a vast difference between engaging in politics to try to gain political power, uh, to, to legislate your own morals or your own view of morality. There's a vast difference between that and, and standing in solidarity with those who others are trying to use political power to do harm to them. You're calling your representatives and you're saying no. Um, you're voicing your opinion saying, saying uh, stop, that, that it's not right. It's not just for others to use political power to hurt uh, the vulnerable sectors of our society. Um, we're not destroying the law of the prophets in doing this we're we're actually filling up the the empty spaces and and interpretations of our sacred texts these days that 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 cause others to be made vulnerable or to be pushed to the margins. Um, Wherever you're joining us this week, wherever you are this week, keep living in love. Uh, Keep engaging the work of of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, transformation, allowing the teachings of Jesus to inform your work, um, and and, and just keep following Jesus. We're, We're in this together. You're not alone. And and for those of you who are supporting our work here at Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. We have a lot of events that are coming up this fall. Um, thank you for supporting us. It's your support that enables us to do what we do. And if you'd like to support our work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and just clicking on the donate link at the top right, or you can mail a contribution uh, to Renewed Heart Ministries, PO Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, four 901. And please consider becoming, if, you, if you're not already, please consider becoming one of our monthly donors. And again, th- thank you so much for, for checking in with this week. Thank you for being part of the journey with us. Thank you for engaging this work with us. Um, I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.